You're listening to DraftKings Network. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Mystery Crate listeners, unfortunately, this week there is no Mystery Crate. We've got a second Dartha Means Rule of Two coming to you from the Outer Rim. We're talking Obi-Wan Part 3. That's coming up right now. Welcome back to Darth Amin's Rule of Two. My name is Darth Amin. I'm joined as always by my apprentice, Anthony Mays. That's me. What do you call you, Darth Corn Puzzle? Darth Amin, what is the force? Yeah. <laughs> Shut up, that's what. Uh, we, we got we got a review episode three of Obi-Wan. Everything that I feared came true. I know you guys come to us looking for... Star Wars euphoria, and usually we deliver that. I don't know if it's going to be a very euphoric episode today. Yeah, there's no Zendaya no. in this episode, unfortunately. No Rue. Although I rue the day they made some of these decisions. More on that in a bit. I do want to address something that was a big story this week. Earlier this week, the other Rule of Two episode, we're giving you two episodes this week, so you're welcome. We made a brief comment about how Star Wars, I think we're talking about the character of Leia in this show, the precocious mm. young princess. It was that Star Wars as of late has gone heavy handed with some of the character traits and character developments and storylines with maybe a, an overzealous desire to show everybody, look how diverse we are. Look how much we care, right? And I said... We do that on purpose because some elements of the fan base exhibit wildly misogynistic behavior. I neglected to mention 
many of these same elements exhibit wildly racist behavior. So we have this great time in Star Wars where we had the celebration and all the stuff coming out, good vibes. Oh my God, I'm excited for this show. I'm excited for that show. And Obi-Wan premieres. And Moses Ingram, who plays the third sister, Reva, gets a bunch of toxic DMs. You can't call it anything else, but just straight up good old fashioned racism. Posted screenshots of just a handful. And she said, there's hundreds like this. Someone pointed out, you would think that sci-fi slash fantasy would be the one of the most inclusive of places, right? Given that, like, man, we got aliens and sentient robots and all types of weird creatures, right? How can you look at, for instance, Chewbacca as a peer and an equal or Yoda as someone of great reverence or whatever? And then like... What is this black? <laughs> That's ridiculous, man. Isn't this the same thing that happened to Kelly Marie Tran, who played Rose? Yes. They literally ran her off the internet. Which is weird because this is how you know it's racism. They didn't run Kathleen Kennedy off the internet. They didn't run Ryan Johnson off the internet. I'm trying to name people who are actually responsible for whatever character you like or don't like. You know who's not responsible? The actor playing the character. No. It's super weird to take out your anger and frustration about maybe a plot point you don't like on the actor, unless the actor is terrible at acting. Let me just throw that out there. That's our cover. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we do do that. We are guilty of that, certainly. But it's never based on anything other than your talent. Yes, or lack thereof. Mm. I thought after two episodes... And now after three episodes, I thought Moses Ingram was one of my favorite characters. She's great. Yeah, she's doing a great job. She's fantastic. And there's nothing about the character. <laughs> she's just playing an angry Inquisitor. Why isn't Sung Kang getting any flack? He's doing the same thing in a slightly different way. Like, it's a very strange response. Also, it's not something out of canon or like, oh, my God, they would never do that. No, what are you talking about? Why are you upset? To my perception, the only thing they're upset about is she's a black woman. That's it. Like, at least Kelly Marie Tran's character was hokey and over the top. Like, it was a poorly written character. And to hear John Boyega talk about it, who, by the way, had his own fair share issues from the fan base about his character. Originally, there was like, they were supposed to represent a very pivotal role in all of this. And then it was reduced down to this weird side adventure B story. And so we can talk about the characters. We could talk about the plot around that, but we're going to attack the actors, what they do. They did it to the best of their ability. Sometimes there's not much you can do. This is a thing in Star Wars fandom. Ewan McGregor recorded a video and he addressed the fan and he posted it on all the major Star Wars accounts. But it's just like, I really got to tell you not to be racist, man. In a galaxy of 8 billion species, Somehow, racism still finds a way into a long time ago, a galaxy far, far away. The playoffs have started in basketball and hockey, and there's really only one way that I can enjoy it. For me, drinking Miller Lite while the action is going on makes the game that much more exciting and that much more delicious. A lot has changed over the years, but one thing that hasn't, the great taste of Miller Lite. Another thing that hasn't changed is that it's less filling. So what is the best thing about the original light beer? Miller Lite sparked this debate in 1975, and we still haven't settled it. So what do you look for in a light beer? Great taste or less filling? For me, it's great taste and less filling. Miller Lite keeps it simple. 
Undebatable quality, great taste, and only 96 calories. It's the beer that strips away everything you don't need and holds on to what matters most. A light beer that tastes like beer. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and is less filling. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right at your door, visit MillerLite.com crate, C-R-A-T-E. Or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. Fewer calories and carbs than premium regular beer. All right, let's get to this episode. Just after we got done defending people, let's tear some people down, Maze. Let's do what we came to do. Ah, uh, yes. Part three of Oldie Washed Kenobi. <laughs> What's our guy up to now, I mean? He's praying to Qui-Gon. It still won't work because Yoda is a terrible teacher, as we've established many a time. <laughs> hey, hey, here, here's some pamphlets on how to talk to people through the pores. You're on your own, basically. He's remembering, and we're getting all these callbacks from the prequels, Qui-Gon urging Obi-Wan to promise that he'll train Anakin. Anakin saying, if you're not with me, you're against me, which at the time, speaking of woke Star Wars, was a direct commentary on the Iraqi war. Did you know that, Maze? Mm, I didn't. Because I think the line is, if you're not with me, then you're my enemy. But George W. Bush said, if you're not with us, you're against us. Also... The line from Amidala, so this is how democracy dies, to thunderous applause. Political commentary by Star Wars. Ooh. Mm. So then finally we get Obi-Wan, I guess, thinking. Mouth doesn't move, he says. I went with meditating, but yes. He's coming for me, master. Referring to Vader, who we get to see assembled. Yeah. For the first time since Revenge of the Sith, and it's a little bit more cool, right? Revenge of the Sith is like on an operating table. Yep. But now we see him... At his castle on Mustafar, the whole assembly process, the legs come up from underneath, the arms come up, the little chest plate thing, and then finally, the iconic helmet and face mask that come down with that hiss, that pss- I love that sound, man. It gives me goosebumps every time I hear it. And then the breath. I have questions about the way they did it. In Revenge of the Sith, the helmet was separate from the mask. Yes. Here, the mask and the helmet are all all in one. They're allowed to make improvements in 10 years, I mean. Well, in Return of the Jedi, it's the same thing. Luke takes off the helmet and then removes the mask. And by the way, he tells us, but you'll die, Mm. right? But somehow, not an issue here. I mean, it's out of the back then. He doesn't have a face mask on, but we could take our time, I guess. Walks over and he's in his famous castle on Mustafar overlooking the lava banks where he was burned, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, that's right. Obi-Wan Kenobi turned him into a tempura sushi roll right there, right outside of his window. Memories. And that's on purpose because the Sith draw their power from emotion, from pain and anger. And so Anakin being so close, not only to the place where his greatest physical pain and his greatest pain to his pride, you know, getting his ass beat. But also, this is the planet where the love of his life died. There's three sources of pain that he draws upon constantly. And I know in some of the novels, they talk about how he will routinely stare out the window at that lava bank to continue to remind himself, to continue to stay powerful. Also, his fortress, some real strong... Sauron, Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. Mordor vibes. Looks like a tuning fork. It does. It does indeed. Meanwhile, Obi-Wan and 
Princess Bingo, I mean Leia. Ooh. You know, I probably gone to that well one too many times. <laughs> They're on Mapuzo, which is a mining system. We see an R5 unit in the back. We saw an R5 unit in A New Hope right before Luke and Uncle Owen bought C3PO and R2D2. They originally bought the R5 Astromech, but it has a bad motivator, Uncle Owen. What about that one? And so that's how R2 came to be. I wonder many a time, Maze, what if the R5 unit didn't have a bad motivator? Would R2 just been an SOL? Or even further, did R2 sabotage R5? Did R2 sabotage R5 or was it the Force working in its mysterious ways to bring our characters together? Speaking of the Force, Leia wants to know, what is it? What does it feel like? And Oldie Washed compares it to turning on a light when you're afraid of the dark. What did you think of that analogy? I mean, I thought it was spoken like someone who has almost zero connection to the force anymore. Yeah. Felt like more of a conversation by him about how he feels in the current moment. I don't really get the analogy. I don't think it's really that strong. He's talking to a 10 year old. What's he supposed to say, man? Something better than that. So the force is comforting. The force is calming the force quells your fears no no that's not what it does at all not at all but it is an element of seeing right like but you're not really seeing you're feeling so it'd be like being blind and then being able to see like we do on basketball illuminati every week opening third eyes that's what we do channeling the force that's a better analogy come on like i said this crazy old wizard as uncle owen called him once on mapuzo though oldie washed sees visions of hayden christensen in his Revenge of the Sith robes. And so, so far, Hayden Christensen's work has been showing up as a vision and wearing a crap ton of makeup in that opening assembly montage. Also, he's got his hat on that he keeps in every scene right before Idris Elba shoots the moon. I wish he was wearing that hat. I still need to get that hat. Takers, gents. Cinephobe episode. What episode was that, Mace? Takers is episode 46. We see the Inquisitor HQ, a.k.a. the Fortress Inquisitorius. It is located on the moon of Noor. We first saw this place in Fallen Order, the video game. Noor itself is very close to Mustafar on purpose. They're right around the corner. Third sister is talking to Vader, and we hear Vader speak. And Maze, is it Hayden Christensen's whiny voice? Nope, nope, nope. Is it somebody trying to do a a deep voice? No. You have failed me. It is James Earl Jones with Maze. At first I was like, this is amazing. He sounds great. What happened? Because in Rogue One, he sounded tired and old. James Earl Jones, God bless him. He's up there in age, ladies and gentlemen. He's in his 90s, I believe. So I was surprised, but then I remembered because I watched that making of the Mandalorian season two finale, and I remember wondering the whole time, okay, they're going to CGI face Mark Hamill, make him look younger and stuff, but how do they get all that whiskey and cigars out of his voice? He's got a very gruff voice. He sounds very different than he did when he was in Star Wars in the original trilogy, and Maze, that's when I found out the magic of cgi does not stop with the eye part he literally ran 
hours upon hours upon hours of recorded audio into an algorithm that can now simulate the man's voice. It's pretty cool. I mean, that's how sophisticated this technology is these days. We don't need the person there. We don't even need them in the booth. Eventually, I mean, Cinephobe will just be a podcast where three AIs review movies that are poorly rated on Rotten Tomatoes and try to ascertain whether those movies are accurately poorly rated or just didn't get a fair shake. And we won't even need to do anything. And the clicks and the downloads will just keep rolling in. Now, what do you think the algorithm will have us say? Because that's the next part, right? It's not just simulating the voice. It's like simulating. What's the kind of thing he would say at a moment like this? Don't answer that question. (laughs) Easy, Maze. Tune in to find out. Part of me was very excited and happy because now I know Darth Vader will live forever. And I never have to deal with Darth Vader being recast, so to speak. On the other hand, it may be really wary of like where we're headed as a society. Where they can create whole lines of dialogue and everything. No, I know. It's not too dissimilar from the Tupac hologram from Coachella. Sure. Are we going to get to a point where we're not even listening to real people do real things are we just going to listen to computer rendered reinterpretations of formerly famous people (laughs) to me that's an optimistic way of looking at it my fear is that we're going to start listening to stuff that didn't exist but they're going to try convince us that it did exist Mm, rewrite yeah remember that time darth Vader called someone a bitch-ass motherfucker i mean that'd be tight just a dirty mackin slick talking darth vader I'd watch that series in a heartbeat. Pimp Vader. (laughs) Anyway, so he talks to Reva. He tells her, basically, look, I know what you want. You want to be the Grand Inquisitor. If you do this, you're going to get the promotion. But if you don't catch him, you're going to die. And I'm like, that's a weird management style. (laughs) No? Hey, man, it's cutthroat out here. Shit, man. You think he knows that she stabbed the Grand Inquisitor and that's why he said that? I love that they just didn't even mention anything. It's not addressed. Well, I think he's alive. We all agree that he's alive, but they just didn't even bother to think about it. They just talked about how there's an empty seat now. She said Obi-Wan did it. Yep. (laughs) She basically did the, like, it was him. Like, someone farted. It was like, it was Obi-Wan. But also, as many people have pointed out, this is how he doesn't die. Because we asked about that last episode, and it's because... His species has two stomachs. Shout out to Star Wars Theory for that one. Then we get a little bit of the power struggle between her and fifth brother. Yes. They're arguing over the chair. He uses the force on her, but she says, you'll see who's standing next to Vader at the end of all this. And then they launch the probe droids out of the tip of the fortress, which is a pretty cool shot. Yeah, absolutely cool shot. That was in the trailer. The infighting, that's the way of the Sith. That's why the rule of two even exists, right? Because there used to be like Siths running everywhere, but they would only cooperate so much before they turn up on each other and power struggle and all that stuff. So that's why Darth Bane created the rule of two. Now, obviously, the Inquisitors are not Sith, but it's the same kind of thing. If you're drawing all of your power off of anger and jealousy and rage and stuff, it makes it kind of hard to be a good teammate. We're back on Mapuzo. Freight driver pulls up. Is that Seth Rogen? <laughs> nope. It is none other than Zach Braff. No way. The Mole Man Freck is played by Zach Braff. You remember him, of course, from Scrubs and the commercials that reference Scrubs. Scrubs, yeah. And hang out with Donald Faison from Scrubs and Homie Spumoni. And he's got a podcast about Scrubs. Oldie Washed does what I've been begging for. Tells Leia... Don't talk. Shut up. What does she do? Runs up, 
immediately starts running her mouth and Freck says, that's a weird story. <laughs> but they hitch a ride. We see the Empire logo on the back of his truck. So pickup truck. he's obviously in the pocket of Big Empire. We get some stormtroopers on board, too. And the story nearly falls apart, I mean. But, you know, stormtroopers aren't competent. So the tension is quickly diffused. Obi-Wan gets out of it by saying, oh, I called her Leia because she reminds me of her mother. Oh, the best lies come from a hint of truth, I mean. And also the best poppy talk, Obi-Wan, are you my daddy, is what she asks. And he's like, no, and I kind of knew him. I knew your parents or whatever. And a great mommy talk, poppy talk combo platter there. We get to the outpost. Freck, of course, was like, these guys, excuse me, I don't want to scan them. Check this out because I don't, I don't trust what's going on. Freck, you spineless bastard. He's a mole. Yeah, that's true. It's not his fault. It's in his nature. Probe droid comes out, scans Obi-Wan, sends the, the info. He blasts it, kills all the stormtroopers, including one who falls from on top of the outpost onto the barrier, which is made out of, like I guess, kyber crystal lasers and gets cut in half. I thought that was pretty badass. And when he falls, we get the classic Wilhelm scream. Ah! Then Obi-Wan, for some unknown reason diffuses this thing to walk through it as opposed to just walking around it. Even my eight-year-olds are like, why doesn't he just walk around? Like, it's like the unbearable weight of massive talent, I mean. Yeah, exactly. It's like the wall scene in the unbearable weight of massive talent, 100%. And just as they get through, here comes another caravan, firing more stormtroopers, and it looks like our heroes are going to die, but boom, boom, boom. The secret contact is actually an Imperial officer named Tala Durith. Mm, Tala, who is played by Indira Varma, who you might recognize as Alaria Sand in Game of Thrones. That's right. Pedro Pascal's girlfriend, who of course plays the Mandalorian. We find out that she's basically the Harriet Tubman for Force-sensitive children and people. Oh, yeah. Good old Jedi Underground Railroad. That's what we need. Underground Railroad. We go to the little outpost. The path to Jabim, I mean. That's where we're headed. Only when your eyes are closed can you truly see. See what? The way. This is a message from Quinlan Voss. And if you guys remember Clone Wars, Quinlan Voss is a badass Jedi who I did not know this. Maze, did you know he was in Phantom Menace? No. The character of Quinlan Voss is based on an extra from Phantom Menace. And they liked the design so much that they created this character for Clone Wars. Quinlan Voss was kind of like Obi-Wan's road dog beer drinking buddy or whatever you want to call it you know if anakin was his little brother this is his best friend did a lot of missions together he's a psychometric like cal kestis meaning when he touches something the force gives him memories of everyone who's touched for instance if he touches my microphone he'll remember me recording cinephobe yesterday mm -hmm. the story of quinlan boss is actually he was tasked with assassinating count dooku in the process, he teams up with Saj Ventress, who is Dooku's former acolyte, who then betrayed him. Ventress tells Quinlan Boss, you want to be powerful enough, you got to use some dark side of the Force stuff, which is kind of like saying, hey, hit a little bit of this. It'll make you feel better. Next thing you know, Quinlan Boss has turned to the dark side. Mm. He ends up becoming Dooku's apprentice, which is kind of weird. Starts fighting against the Republic. Eventually, he turns back to the light side. And we never found out what happened to him. We now know he's alive and he's smuggling Jedi. So shout out to Quinlan Voss. I wonder if we're going to see him. Yeah, that seemed like a tease, especially because we're going to Jabim. That definitely seems likely to me that we'll run into this guy. Shout out to Quinlan Voss. 
while we're having all these conversations, the Inquisitors show up, and then Obi-Wan gets that gut punch because he feels it, and who shows up but Darth Vader. Maze, this scene was pretty cool. Darth Vader just being... Uh, okay. You okay. didn't like him being... All right, all right. Well, before we get to that, real quick. Okay. You did overlook, once again, young Leia. On purpose. She wants Tala to teach her how to shoot. Oldie Wash has to tell her, you know, no, no, Leia, go get ready. And then Tala says, she'll make a good fighter one day. And Obi-Wan says, yes, I think you might be right. And yeah. it's writing like this that really bothers me just because it's not good. We know where this ends up, but you have to see these character traits with action and examples, not with just corny lines. Yeah. Winking at what we already know, which is, yeah, yeah. one day she's going to be good at this. It's Catherine Hahn, right? Yeah. They look, they break the fourth wall and they wink hard. It was Leia all along. Uh, yeah. But yes, okay. Vader shows up. Everybody's scared. And he kills random people. Yeah, he's a bad dude. He's very powerful. I understand that. But the only thing I really have to compare it to is the Rogue One hallway scene. Well, the Rogue One hallway scene had more purpose, I think. They've got the tape. I need that tape. And they're in my way. And I'm just going to cut through all these guys. Yeah, and they're soldiers. And it just demonstrates his power in like a truly scary way. This is just like, all right, he's just being a dick. Yeah, but again, as we know, the Jedi cannot help himself. He's trying to lure him out pretty much. And it was cool to see him kill people, like snapping someone's neck. Again, that was a little bit more violent than Star Wars is usually known for. I know we've had beheadings and stuff, but like just seeing someone get their neck snapped was kind of weird. Yeah, and killing kids. I was with it. I like the idea of like this is a depraved Anakin Skywalker. And, but also, Maze, this whole point in time, I likened it to when my children are younger and they're still at that stage where direct orders are not understood. They're about to touch something and like, don't you dare touch it. Don't you dare touch it. Don't, don't you don't you pick it up. Don't, don't you put that in your mouth. Don't, don't, don't you put that in your mouth. And like every second that is going by, it's coming closer and closer to them doing exactly what you're telling them not to do. And so I'm like, all right, this is cool. This is fine. You know, they're in the same place, but they can't meet. Right. At this point, you're thinking, surely they'll find a way to have them not come face to face. And then he sees them across the way and he runs away. And I'm like, okay. All right, that's cool, but don't you dare talk to him. And then they talk to each other, like, don't you dare engage him in combat. And then they engage him in combat. I'm like, okay, engage him in combat, but don't you dare look weak and stupid against him. And he's weak and stupid. I'm like, what the fuck are we talking about here, man? Yep, yep, yep. When we yep. last met, I was but the learner, and I tweeted out, that's not a learner. That's someone who's pretty fucking masterful. With just a sad, disappointed emoji, I mean. Oh, my God. I was so disappointed. It literally ruined the show for me. Right then and there. You know what else is really disappointing, I mean? What's that? Not only is it a deal breaker for you, the fight has no stakes. Nothing. We know they're both alive. What is the point? He's obviously way more powerful than Oldie Washed. That's clear. Okay, we get that. The years have made you weak. He's toying with his food, but they set this up in episode three, and it's definitely going to happen again. And maybe Oldie Washed will unlock... Some sort of hidden power and give him a run for his money, but he's not going to kill him. So it's just pointless. It's pointless. I was explaining this to Jason Jackson, who loved it. And I'm like, Jax, I'm not mad at the fight itself. If you substituted Obi-Wan for literally anybody else, that was pretty cool. Quinlan Voss, for example. Exactly. So it's not that. The idea of force choking him, lifting him, 
then throwing some flammable stuff on the ground, then igniting it with the lightsaber, then dragging him through the fire. That is some dope stuff. It's just like it can't happen to Obi-Wan, man, because it just ruins all the canon. By the way, he says, you should have killed me when you had the chance. And my 11-year-old, without missing a beat, says, I thought I did. <laughs> and I laughed. Like, Good point. <laughs> Bro, I left you barbecued, charred, passed, well done. No arms or legs. No arms or legs. That didn't finish the job. Okay, sorry. My bad. It's like Dr. Evil. I, I what? I expect it to happen. <laughs> the other thing was there was some real fervor on the internet of people getting real excited about this episode on Wednesday. Yeah, man. Which, as we know, the old expectations game, it raised them up for me, and this wasn't it. I'm sorry, guys. Before I watched the episode, nobody spoiled it, but I could tell by the way people were excited, it was exactly what I didn't want. Because people aren't excited by, like, good exposition and subtle character development. I thought they did something cool. No. I thought they did something unexpected and cool, but no, it was just this. No, no, no. I knew it was this. I knew it in my soul. I felt it. A tremor and the force. I mean, your reaction was similar to Obi-Wan right when Darth got on planet. You just, oh. Yeah. Yep. The gut <laughs> punch. Have to hold yourself up against the wall. <laughs> you know what the worst part is, Maze? Tala Durth shoots and like kind of. Yes. Let's get to that. He's clearly stronger. He's playing with his food. He's dragging him through the fire. And then the big escape plan, because Leia talks Tala into helping out Oldie Washed, is to shoot one stormtrooper, blow some shit up, and then have our guy, Ned B, the loader droid. Ned B, loader droid. Slowly walk over there and pick up this old sack of shit, going five miles an hour. Vader's just watching. I'm like, could Vader not use the force on this loader droid? Is he too stupid to be manipulated? Like, this isn't an escape plan, guys. Couple things. Number one, when she sets up on the ridge and pulls out the rifle, I knew in my heart of heart he was going to do the Kylo Ren use the force to catch the blaster bolt and then just like destroy her to smithereens. Like I just knew, all right, yeah, she's up out of here. Nope. We're just going to let it blast. All right, cool. Fire. Ah, everyone's going crazy. Hey, Darth Vader. Yeah. You could use the force to crush this slow ass droid, right? Or, and here's a thought. You can use your fireproof, spaceproof, waterproof, everything proof suit to just walk through the fire. Just walk through it. Unbelievable. Oh, my God. Fire. What should I do? Oh, that's right. I live in a castle. On a lava planet. I mean, what the fuck are we doing here? Not great, Bob. They escape. There's no stakes. Tala is going to take Oldie Wash to Jabim. And what happens? Leia runs into Reva and gets kidnapped again. We're kidnapping her again. It's been three episodes. Kidnapping month is back. Reba, by the way, when she's tracking Leia, she's seeing the markings on the walls. She's seeing the, the message from Quinlan Boss. She sees the Jedi logo basically scratched in there as well. And she has a moment of introspection before in a rage throwing shit around. Maze, I got to ask the question. Is Reva one of the kids from the opening scene? Same question too, bro. I think it's pretty clear that she was. She's mad that the Jedi didn't save her, that they allowed her to get captured by the Sith. By the way, the way the Inquisitors are created is they kidnap Force-sensitive children, and then they torture them until they turn to the dark side. That's how, by the way, Quinlan Boss turned to the dark side, too. He got a little bit of a taste 
with Asajj Ventress, and then Dooku captured him, and then he tortured him and broke him. There's definitely some feelings there. Again, it is pretty impressive that despite her whole job being to track Force-sensitive people, she does not notice the Force sensitivity in the child in front of her. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I thought that maybe that was how she knew to look in the house, but everybody is underrating Leia's abilities and her importance to everything. Also, I'm just going to point out, it's almost a guarantee. The very first youngling we see in the Jedi Temple Order 66 flashback is a young african-american girl yes i saw a screenshot i don't even know where we go from here where is she gonna take leia we're going to jabim he's gonna mm. find quinlan voss they're gonna have to rescue leia again got three episodes left he's gonna confront vader one more time maybe he'll get the upper hand they'll try to you know, undo what they've just done here and reestablish the learner-master dynamic. Here's my thing. I believe Jabim has to be completely obliterated. Because again, if there was a planet full of Force-sensitive children, wouldn't this have come up at some point? Well, that's the thing that I thought the Underground Railroad analogy kind of fell apart at. It's not like there's a safe place in the galaxy. Yeah. It's all fair game. Like the empire is everywhere. So they hid Yoda on Dagobah. And they hid Luke in the new trilogy and they had to find the map to find the secret path to get to his plan. Like, I guess it's possible, but it doesn't make sense to me how you could hide a planet. Here's the deal. It's not hiding a planet. The planet's not hidden. They're hiding these people on it. The reality is this is like when I first started watching Rebels and that's when I first got to know Freddie Prince. This show's going on and I told Freddie like, all right, so which episode do you get Swiss cheesed up? Because clearly there couldn't have been a Jedi running around <laughs> of sound mind and body and we had a whole rebellion and like, nah, Luke's got this. <laughs> Sit this one out, Kanan. Clearly he had to die at some point. In the same way in Rogue One, it's like clearly Jin Erso and Cassian Andor cannot, spoiler alert, can't survive this. They've got to die at some point in order for the story to make sense. So Jabim, as a safe haven, only makes sense if it's not safe at all. Or a slaughter. Well, maybe we'll see it destroyed then. You were saying it's already destroyed, right? Maybe it will be wrecked in the next couple episodes. Sure, okay. Either way, there's a slaughter that will have happened or is going to happen. I want a lightsaber fight where at least one of the people could die. How about that? Now I don't know how you fix it. It's ruined. I You can't fix it for me. I don't care if Obi-Wan comes back and like Marty McFly at the enchantment under the sea dance when his parents finally kiss just straight up and erect and back to life and all my brother and sister are back on the photograph. I don't care if that happens to him. And he suns Vader in a lightsaber fight, which again, does not seem very likely or likely tale, I should say. I don't care. It's already ruined. When we last met, I was but the learner. Now I am the master. Dude, you don't go from learner to master to learner to master. That's not how this thing works. He learned from his lessons on Musafar. And then he fights him again in A New Hope. He fights him very cautiously. The real reason is because the actor playing Darth Vader broke his back. And 
Sir Alec Guinness is 8 billion years old, right? That's the real reason why. But in terms of the story in the canon, it's because, man, the last time I saw this dude, he turned me into a temporal role. Not going to fall for it twice. I'm going to be more cautious. I'm going to be more conservative in my fighting style. I won't have the same kind of hubris and arrogance that I had 17 years earlier. They fucking tore all that up and threw it in the garbage. Why? As May said, for what? For what purpose? How does that advance the story? How does that create any sort of dramatic tension? It didn't do any of those things. It was just a cool lightsaber fight. And it wasn't even that cool? I liked the dragging him to the fire. That was a cool move. And also Vader fighting with one hand. It's cool. Again, if it were any other opponent, I would have been very happy. But it's that guy and you just can't do that and i'm disappointed i won't lie man i don't think they can save the series for me i'll watch it i'll be entertained by some parts i'll be interested we'll talk about it but in my heart of hearts i can't say i like this because they broke the cardinal sin man for no reason here's another thing mace if they had held it to like the last episode where they finally meet and fight. No, they couldn't wait. They could not wait to get this going. Yeah. I understand it from a creative standpoint. When you have the opportunity to do this, I can understand how there would be a lot of pressure and a lot of desire from the producers for this to be the reason to do this show. But you find it to be an irreversible choice. I find it to be not compelling. Obviously, there's a lot of people out there who ate this up. So I think that they're probably going to walk away thinking that it was the right decision. But like you said, they have a lot of work to do in these next three episodes to make this worthwhile. Apparently, there are already rumors out there, I mean, that there will be an Obi-Wan season two. No, there is no season two. Unless Ewan McGregor changes his mind, but. So what I'm saying, it might it yeah. might be happening. So we'll we'll guide you through the galaxy for the rest of this season. But I don't know, man. I don't know if you're gonna be getting a lot of positive vibes from Darth Amin and his war Darth Corn puzzle. Yeah, I think that's gonna do it for us here, Maze. This is how Star Wars dies with thunderous applause. That's a weird story. Playoffs have started in basketball and hockey, and there's really only one way that I can enjoy it. For me, drinking Miller Lite while the action is going on makes the game that much more exciting and that much more delicious. A lot has changed over the years, but one thing that hasn't, the great taste of Miller Lite. Another thing that hasn't changed is that it's less filling. So what is the best thing about the original light beer? Miller Lite sparked this debate in 1975, and we still haven't settled it. So what do you look for in a light beer? Great taste or less filling? For me, it's great taste and less filling. Miller Lite keeps it simple. 
Undebatable quality, great taste, and only 96 calories. It's the beer that strips away everything you don't need and holds on to what matters most. A light beer that tastes like beer. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and is less filling. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right at your door, visit MillerLite.com crate, C-R-A-T-E. Or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. Fewer calories and carbs than premium regular beer.